Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool and Lee's alternate reality. I've got a special guest with me, and today we'll be discussing the popularity of Reacher, abortion as an election issue, and science fiction. So we're going to get right into this, and we're going to talk about Reacher. This is a uh, show on Amazon. It's based on a, a series of novels by Lee Child, and it's been a smash hit with the fans. It's been really popular, and I, I wanted to talk about this with you as uh why this show has uh, the hold um, over the general uh, population when a lot of other things don't. So from my understanding, this is just a good action series with, you know, masculine men, feminine women, and storylines that are just uh, about action, having, you know, good dramatic fun rather than pushing politics and narratives onto people. And uh, you've uh, looked into this a little bit more than I have, I I think, because I I haven't watched anything of it. I've just heard of the show getting big and um, it doing numbers in terms of the minutes watched on streaming and such. So I wanted to see if... um, you you've looked into it, and uh, what about Reacher appeals uh, to you? <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Number one for having me on your show. Yes, I am Lee, and that was a great question. Okay, so I did try to start to watch Reacher last night, and honestly, I understand the background of the character. You know, he's egotistical. He knows everything. He's he's you know well built and handsome. And as a woman, you know, and I was once in acting, I went to the actor's studio in New York City. So to watch actors portray certain characters, whether they be out of a book, fictional, non-fictional, or, you know, what I'm saying. um, Honestly, as a woman, I got bored. I really did. I'm sorry, but it might be a smash hit. I mean, I could see women watching it for him. And learning things from him, but I actually got bored. Yeah. Okay, so so from what I, I guess I understand, this is something that's more uh, appealing to the male uh, demographic as uh, it's more of a power fantasy. You can get into it like that. Not so much for yes. women. So, so if you like um, Alan Richardson, well, that, that's his name. If you find him to be mm-hmm. attractive, then you might want to watch through that. I, I don't think um, he's everyone's cup of tea because, you know, someone will look at that and say, well, he's, you know, on steroids. That's way too big. That's unattractive. Some will disagree. But but that's his character. Yeah. Reacher has an ego because he's as I watched some of it, I realized that he's like um, he's like a know it all. But it's a, it's not like a snobby know it all. He's kind of egotistical, and it does kind of just drag the character a little bit. Now, I didn't see the one with Tom Cruise, or was it Tom Cruise? Oh, my gosh. Jack Reacher, right? Was that Tom Cruise? Uh, that, might, that might have been uh, different, but we're just talking about the Amazon show. and like Just why... the Amazon show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just, just why, um, why it's popular, why it's doing well. And like I said, this just seems to be... Um, it knows what it want, what it is. It's staying in its lane. It's well produced, and it doesn't seem to be um, over overtly pushing politics, you know, one way or another. But with Hollywood, oh, agreed, yeah. agreed. There, one hundred percent. Do I do I do agree with that? 
Yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, that's basically all I had to say about it. And I just wanted your perspective on it, which you, you gave me. And I, I appreciate that a lot. So I think uh, we're good on that topic. And we're going to move on into the next one, which is definitely a bit of a heavier topic. And we're going to talk about uh, abortion. So, of course, abortion's been widely talked about for uh, generations and, and such. Uh, you know, you've had Roe v. Wade that was going on in the 70s. So it's always been this political issue. It's always been in the political realm. Uh, you know, more recently with, uh, I think it was Dobbs, that that case that overturned Roe v. Wade and gave abortion yes. as an issue back to the states. Uh, but now uh, abortion's being pushed um, again uh, in this news cycle during this election cycle as saying that um, if Trump gets elected, if he gets back into office, one of the things he'll do is roll back abortion rights, and this will be extremely oppressive to women because abortions, you know, you can't function in society as a woman unless you have unfettered access to abortion, which I, I personally don't, you know, disagree with. I, I disagree with it. I, I find abortion to be a very morally conflicting um, thing for me because I, I think uh, the act of performing an abortion is inherently immoral, but I also think as long as both parties are consenting, the you know, the woman getting the abortion and the abortionist are both doing it voluntarily, then you can't prevent them from doing those sorts of things. The only person who can't consent is the unborn child, but they have no means to defend themselves. And like I said, the other two parties, the ones who are most pertinent, in this case, the abortionist and the woman seeking the abortion, are both consenting to it and want it to happen. So I just want a um, your opinions on abortion in general, if you're willing to give them. And two, um, do you think um, using abortion as an election issue, is that going to help or hurt the Democrats or help and hurt uh, Trump? So that's basically what I um, am asking you. Okay. that's a, Those are great questions. Um... You know, being 55 years old, and I know I'm much older than you, um, in my 20s, and I'm going to be completely honest, and I've never told anyone this before, okay? I did have an abortion. Um, it went wrong. I hemorrhaged. So I don't know if part of the fetus was left in. I don't know exactly what happened. Um, but it was a very horrible experience I was 18 years old um I didn't want to have a child with the person I was with so yes was it my choice yes I am also a very strong Christian you know and that is something that I have carried with me for a very long time but I know I've been forgiven for it do I feel like it's murder? Because as you said, there's no consent from that unborn child, which is correct. Okay. And there should be, and, you know, there should be, and you can't go in there and say, Hey, do you want to be, you know, I, I hate using this term, but it's the reality of the things you want to be sucked out or do you want to live? You know what I mean? It's horrible, you know, I'm, but I'm talking to you extremely frank in regards that I want people to understand the truth. So I'm now I am not pro-abortion at all because of the experience I went through personally. Um, I know a lot of other women did as well. Um, I probably would have lost the baby anyway due to the fact that I, I found out I was um, RH negative. So I probably would have aborted my own fetus at one point in time anyway because at, back then we didn't have the shots you have to have special shots when you're an RH negative blood person 
you know, um, we produce antigens, not antibodies, and it would usually attack the fetus. And I did have two miscarriages afterwards, you know, when I was married. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't believe that abortion rights are, it's a very touchy subject, you know, and, uh, The election, you know, a lot of people are going opposite in opposite directions as far as their freedoms are concerned. And I'm going to try to make this as general as possible. Um, you know, like changing your sex, transgender, then getting pregnant and, you know, that kind of stuff. I know it's not something, a topic you want to get into, but men are doing it. And what is going to happen to that child? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, and as far as election goes, it's going to hurt either way. I mean, it'll hurt the Democrats. It'll hurt the uh, Republicans. But I want, I want to have, I don't want to have abortion. I would like the abortion rights to be abolished. But that's me right now at this point in time because of my belief system. But, uh, you know, I, I can't even begin to tell you. I, I feel like we're just going backwards. Sure. Can we have abortion rights because, you know, a 16-year-old gets pregnant and she can't have the baby? Well, you know what? I was adopted, okay? And back in 1968, abortions weren't even thought of. The My biological mother went to a, like, for an example, what, what is a nun? What, where, where do nuns live? I forget what it is. I want uh, It's a not a monastery. A, a convent. A convent. Thank you. My biological mother went to a convent and... With, you know, for nine months, and when I was born, she took off. She was twenty years old, and I was adopted within six days. It was kind of weird, you know. My adoption was a little screwed up. So, but point being is, is that we don't have that choice anymore to go to somewhere. You know, like if, like I said, if a sixteen-year-old gets pregnant, her choice is to go get the day after pill. Or an abortion. What happened to convents where you could, if you wanted to have the baby and then give it up for adoption? There's a lot of people that can't have children. Yeah. You know? So yeah. why not have children and adopt? Yeah. But, I well, mean, yeah. if we want to get down and dirty for a second with politics, it all has to do with depopulation. Oh, yeah. That's no, yeah, certainly. There, there is a uh, massive depopulation movement going on this is part of why abortion is pushed onto the population as heavily as it is and you and yes. i both understand that that 16 year old girl that walks into planned parenthood she's presented with uh mifeprestrone um dne abortion you know whatever method depending on how far along she is in the pregnancy not because they genuinely care about her it's because they want to make money off of her there is a whole abortion industry that exists and the plan is to, not the plan, but the whole thing is when you have an industry, you're trying to make as much money off of people as possible. And the whole thing is that what you're getting at with, with, with your story, and you share a lot of very personal stuff, and I, I appreciate that. And I, I hope mm -hmm. um, 
I hope you've managed to heal and recover from everything you've been going on through because a lot of women, you know, they, they die with these abortion processes because, you know, they hemorrhage, they lose a lot of blood. Um, the, yes. fe the fetus doesn't um, expel um, all the way or the abortionist doesn't get it out. So they enter sepsis and they, they die um, from an infection. So there's a lot of very yes. gnarly things. And, and the whole, you know, thing that really gets that's to what me. That's actually, that's actually what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have yeah. I got sick. Yeah, I got really sick. Yeah, so that, that that's one of the things that I I find really frustrating with with women saying, "Well, you can't force me to get pregnant, or you can't force me to give birth." Is that once you get pregnant, you are giving birth? It, it's just whether you want to give birth to a live baby or a stillbirth, because that's what abortion is mm -hmm. going to guarantee: is that you give birth to a uh, a dead child. And sure, it could be a very underdeveloped child if you get the abortion in the first trimester. Um, but uh, it's still going to be a child, and you've had women who've, you know, taken these pills, and they, they've basically, you know, passed what looks like a, a very tiny person. They're horrified because they're not presented um, um, the, you know, truth. They're just saying, oh, it's just a clump of cells. And this is this is also speaks to a lot of cultural issues. We live in this very antinatalist society where family is disencouraged, which is why you don't have stuff like, you know, what, what your situation where you left at a convent or, or even, um, you know, these days, if you, you could just leave a kid at a fire station um, and uh, the, fi uh, the, you know, <laughs> the firemen will um, get the child to an adoption um, center. That That's a, a policy. A lot of states have laws like that. But stuff like that isn't really pushed or presented to people or, or to, exactly. to, to young women. And especially, you know, with these pregnancy centers that um, are around that will, you know, help women with all these sorts of things. Those are demonized um, in favor of Planned Parenthood because they want to push the abortion industry to make money into, you know, this whole depopulation effort. But from your understanding, you think that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that abortion uh, making an election issue is fundamentally going to hurt both sides because it's just such a touchy, touchy subject and it rarely has any sort of meaningful resolution. Is that... Um... Yes. Okay. That's it. Yes, yeah. because, I mean, think about it. As you said, they don't give any more alternatives. It's not like, you know, we're we're generations apart, you and I. Okay? And, and I appreciate you and I respect you very much because... You know, being your age, you've accomplished so much that I can see so far. And you have a very brilliant mind. And I like that. Okay. And you do understand that, you know, it was, a, it, it, you know, it's a hard thing for a woman to go through. And, and men don't really quite understand the process. So that's why I brought up, you know, men who are pregnant, their, their process, what's going to happen you know, are they going to have stillbirths? You know, are they going to have to get, I don't want to say mandatory abortions, but as you said, what if there is a stillborn and they die? You know, it's not, it's not right. It's not feasible even to think about something like that. But turning back to women who are afraid to even talk about abortion with their parents, you know, and then again, you know doing whatever they have to do, like I did when I was 18. It's not like I had to get my parents' consent, right? But it still hurt. You know, emotionally, it's probably the one of the worst things that you could possibly ever go through, you know, emotionally. I mean, it, it did take me a good long time to get over it. But, you know, and then again, being a believer as I am, you know, it's against my religion, and 
I really don't think that it's a good thing. And as far as the election goes, I don't even think, you know what, unless they bring up alternatives, you know, like we talked about, yes, it will hurt. It will hurt the election, sure. As a woman, being an independent, as I've been since I was 18, when I could, when I could vote, I've never been uh, partisan. I've always been bipartisan, pretty much. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm the one that voted for Nader, okay? <laughs> if you remember him, um, you know, I this election, if Kennedy Jr. is running as an independent, he, you know, I know he's more a Democratic independent, let's say, but he's an independent. So I have a vote now. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I actually saw, I went to the Porcupine Freedom Festival in New Hampshire and RFK Jr. was a uh, speaker there and I actually saw him speak in person. Uh, and oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And he's got this very raspy um voice because he had a uh, vaccine side effect as an infant i believe and that that damaged his voice severely mm-hmm. and even despite that he's uh, a pretty good speaker uh i i don't yes. think rfk is this rfk jr uh real R- rfk died when uh before you were born <laughs> Uh, or the, the R- right. yeah RFK senior right um but but yeah. anyway I I don't think he's this um I still think he's very much a politician he's just um a lot more on the ball with things than um more politicians would be but I don't think he would be um the savior but I would much rather have him than either Trump or definitely Biden I mean Biden's a dementia patient um, you know, Trump's got um, all this um, baggage and all the, you know, the things that he did with COVID. He can definitely be, um, if he has the wrong people talking in his ear, he's going to do the wrong thing. So I, I don't have, um, you know, this faith in him. I, I voted for him in 16 and 20, and that was mostly because everyone was saying not to. And I was like, well, you know, screw this, you know, fuck this, fuck you guys. I'm going to do it anyway, uh, because because <laughs> it, was, it was that contrarian thing. Uh, especially when uh, in 16, I was 18 at the time. So it was just, you know, being a, a rebel. Uh, that that was yes. the whole thing. And I was thinking, well, it's going to create so much chaos. Uh, it's going to, like, blow everything apart. And then maybe we'll be able to pick up the pieces and put everything back together again. And then I realized after COVID that the state uh, in general uh, has no right to exist. It's based on theft and extortion. And that's why I, I became an anarcho-capitalist. But that's a whole other conversation for a different day we were talking about uh abortion and the interesting thing with um this in general is you were were talking about transgenderism so you've got this two-pronged thing where one you've got men who transition to women and they want to get uterus transplants this has never happened and i don't think this ever will happen there's so many reasons and i'm actually writing a book about um gender ideology i'm going to go into why um uterine a uterus transplant makes absolutely no sense uh and would be yep would be absolutely fatal but the other thing is you've got women who uh, they want to be men uh, and they inject themselves with testosterone um, in this you know, pursuit of becoming a man. And some of them will actually get pregnant or they want to become pregnant. So they get off of testosterone and then they have a kid and they'll also get double mastectomies, have a kid and then be like, well, I want to breastfeed my kid. So it's just um, a lot of uh, uh, unresolved mental illness. So we've got this extremely mentally ill population um doing stuff like this and it's more than you know transgenderism because most 
women who get abortions don't, you know, do this to themselves. So it's not, that's not the, the biggest issue. But you've got a lot of mentally ill, unstable people and abusive relationships, which is why a lot of these women feel they need to get an abortion anyway, because the average, you know, married woman in a healthy relationship, you know, wants to have kids, wants to build a family, but that's been devalued. And the people who are engaging in these sorts of things are going into hookup culture, they're using dating apps, they're in situationships, so there's no um, structure, there's no concrete uh, ability to have a family in a safe environment. It's just... Um, you're, so, uh, yes. Yeah. You're, so, society is chaos right now. Exactly. And I, and, I, and I totally agree with everything that you're saying. It is so hard. Uh, yeah, I mean... Look, I have my sister. She's my parents' biological daughter. Okay. She's the youngest in the family. When she got pregnant, she decided she was on tram. She was on tram at all, but she decided to up her doses because she couldn't get pregnant with her husband. They had to do it in vitro and they tried three times and it didn't work. And you know, as I'm, as I said before, I'm being very frank with you and honest. She had an affair, and she had a baby. And the baby, because of the affair, it made her feel guilty. Her husband did accept it. They are still together. Olivia was born. I was there. She came out not breathing. And... She wasn't premature, but my sister put her in the NICU for, I think it was 12 weeks, to naturally get her off of the tramadol. And to see something like that, it, it, it blew my mind. It broke my heart. Because in that, in turn, is mental illness due to the fact that Olivia now is bipolar. And she's been tested. You know what I'm saying? And it's sad. And she's 14 years old. And this this poor girl won't even go to school. She has a problem with going to school. She's very social. But she has no morals, no values because of what, you know, society, number one. And how she is being reared, not raised, reared in her family. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no. So, yeah, so you, you've got a, a lot of uh, issues like that, and that's a, it's an unfortunate uh, story. And again, uh, uh, maybe a little bit too personal, but it's not the most revealing uh, information in the world. <laughs> and we don't, I don't have you know thousands and thousands of listeners, so hopefully, uh, you're in the clear there. But yeah, uh, a lot of uh, you are a product of your. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben. I really. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's more that. about just you and your family. So it just, uh, I just don't want you to feel like you're oversharing. Um, that's oh, not... no, no. This is something that needs to be said because people are in chaos. I talk to people every day, either on Substack or on IG. And, you know, they're, like you said, the, the mental illness now, I mean, people are losing their minds. I don't know where they're going. Where are they going? Where? Uh, yeah. So... Why are they... 
Why are they losing their minds? Well, it's uh, a lot of it is uh, the internet um, just giving people these extremely unrealistic expectations of society. And we're, we're mm-hmm. way off. We're going to transition into the next topic soon. But uh, if you're still with us, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow me on Substack, follow uh, Lisa on Substack. I'll, I'll have all those links in the description below. Um, but yeah, so part of it is the uh, the internet and the fact that people are chronically or terminally online. Uh, depending on how much time you spend online and how how much it interferes on your life. And you're consuming all this content that gives you this extremely unrealistic view of society. So if you're on TikTok, you're scrolling through all day, and you are going through, like, um, you know, you're a young woman, and you're watching content of these young women who uh, are in relationships with, you know, millionaires or or presenting as if they're they're doing that, um, then your idea of a healthy, quote-unquote, relationship is going to, you know... Uh, the Caribbean to Maui to the Cayman Islands all in a weekend, right? When that's amen, brother. Yeah, it's extremely unrealistic, and you've and got it's very superficial. Oh yeah, like you said, and you know what? I'm, I gotta jump in here for one second. I'm sorry. It bothers me. It bothers me to death. I am a 55 year old woman. I don't look like I'm 55. You know, I get that all the time. Sometimes I get carded. Sometimes, occasionally, I do. Um. But uh, no, speak the truth. That's why I, tell the truth. When I when when I do lives on IG, there's no makeup on. There's a T-shirt on, and I'm trying to tell the truth. You know what I mean? That, that that's the bottom line. That's that's what it should be used for. If you are a critical thinker, oh, okay. Now there's a whole nother topic right there because critical thinking has gone out the window. Yeah, but totally agree with you with these. St- st- these even the fans only on on ig for example all you're getting are and i don't have fans only but i get invites for fans only for sex crap give me a freaking break that is not my life that is not part of my life i am a single woman um i enjoy this time that i have by myself you know because i've been married three times and you know, in society, I'm deemed useless, basically, because I'm already 55. I'm all used up, quote unquote, let's just say, right? And, you know, what kind of an influencer can she be? Well, I've I've helped a lot of people with a lot of things. And, and as you know, on Substack, you know, if you read my comments, I don't know if you see them sometimes. I'm very truthful. And matter of fact, and thank you very much and very appreciative. That's what the internet should be. And another thing, people should have computer science classes in their in their uh, elementary schools, in their high schools, only due to the fact that it does make you a critical thinker. I, I did, when I was, before I got into my car accident, um, I had three businesses. I had a waiter a waiter business you know like if you need waiters at your house when you're having a party and i was a chef so i had that business i had a graphic design business and i was a personal trainer i got into a car accident and boom i lost everything everything was gone in just a second so appreciate everything that you have and when you get out of like the anger and the it's like mourning it like somebody passed away because the whole my whole life changed and when you get past all that then you become confident in the truth i don't know if that makes any sense 
but you have to be, especially now. Oh, yeah, no, totally, for sure. And, yeah, we, we live in an extremely sexualized society, and as, as, a, as a young man... Over! I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been... I've never been in a relationship, I've never really dated anybody, but uh, at the age of 14, I, I, I started watching porn. I, I found this, and I, I have this uh, this porn addiction. I've gotten a lot better with not consuming that content and overcoming it, but you've got this natural inclination as a male um, to, yes. you know, spread your seed, you know, sow your wild oats and all, all these sorts of things, and that's really been perverted with all this, um, you know, pornography and the over-sexualization of society and the fact that you've got all, not, not a lot, not the majority, but enough where it seems like a lot of women are doing OF, engaging in hookup culture, and you've got a lot of men who are in that environment and they can't help, and I'm not saying that they should, but they can't help but see women as sex objects because that's all they're seeing. That's all that's in their environment, and it trickles out negatively into society. But I think we've gone on... Oh, very negative. And, yeah. and just... I'm sorry, just to add, I do watch a lot of, um, you know, because I am disabled, right, as we spoke before. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries. And more and more do I see husbands killing their, their wives because of the jealousy of them being, quote-unquote, influencers. In the meantime, they're watching porn and having affairs. So they think that the grass is greener on the other side, right? As you were talking about, basically. And they think that their woman is shit. They don't want to have a divorce because they feel bad because they have kids with the, this woman. And so they go and kill her. I mean, Yo. I can't begin to tell you. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of cases like this. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's also... Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, obviously an awful thing. And a lot of that, you know, stems from, you know, how bad divorce is of, of a process. And, you know, a lot of uh, men get reamed through the coals in family court and they want to avoid that. So it's more of this very narcissistic thing. And, of course, it comes with this whole objectification if you don't view, you know, women in general as, as people. Uh, just, you know, means to an end, of course you're going to, you know, get this idea in your head. It's more it's more convenient to, to murder this my, my wife and then try and get away with it than, you know, man up and say, hey, I I'm cutting ties with you no matter how much it hurts. Not that I think, you know, once you get married, it should be a lifelong uh, commitment. I, I, I'm not um, the most religious person, but I, I do like the, the the bible i consider myself to be an agnostic theist so you know one of the things the bible says you, you know get married for life you don't um you know you don't you don't you know you don't commit infidelity you know you want to have a very you know sexually moral relationship when a man and a woman join in marriage they become one flesh that that's the idea that's, and that's exact yes yeah. that's the ideology and that's exactly right and it also means the soul and it also means the whole person, not just whatever. You know what I mean? And and now I, I watch, you know, these, again, these documentaries, and I'll see them get married, right? And then they don't even say, and let, you know, let no man, what is it? Uh, let God join together and let no man uh, take us under. They don't say that anymore. And it's like, what? They, they don't even say anything like, you know, it's already anticipated that they're going to get divorced or something's going to happen or blah, 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 blah. 
because it's not even said anymore by the priest or the pastor or whoever. It's crazy. It's just, it's so, it's mind-blowing yeah. and it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, so yeah, mar- marriage is viewed as this, you know, dating plus, right? It's not this, yeah. it's not this foundation uh, of the man, the woman making children. That's the holy trinity of humanity, the man, the woman, and their children. And marriage is right. the what facilitates that. And it's a very deep, meaningful, beautiful thing. That's been completely done away with with uh, society, with you know, marriage being about having a nice wedding and a honeymoon and then trying to just basically treat your spouse transactionally. Men and women do this on, on either side, right? There, there are women who marry guys who make five hundred thousand dollars and it's like well i want my man to make 750k because i want an extra five, oh, yeah. five to ten k so you've got people who are opportunistic transactional on both sides but uh we were both ta- yeah uh, we were talking about souls right and uh being human or or that you know comes into what when you talk about souls so we're going to transition into the last topic we were on a lot of tangents uh but we're going to transition <laughs> to the last topic of science fiction so my first novel machine to man is a science fiction novel, and uh, you had me watch um, Ghost in the Shell. That's your favorite movie, the 2017 version. So I watched that, and this is a, a movie about a woman who's uh, gets basically kidnapped by a large, you know, a, a robotics corporation, and then her Hanka br- Robotics. Yeah, Hanka Robotics. Her brain gets uh, stripped out of her human body and put into a shell. So she still has her ghost, as in her soul, but it's in a um, artificial body. Yeah. And a lot yes. of uh, the themes of that movie is saying that she doesn't feel like she's human. She can't necessarily vocalize it, but she doesn't feel like anything's real. She feels disconnected from everybody else, and that's because right. Because yeah. wait, I have to interrupt you because it's what digital bioconvergence. This is what this is what they want in the future. I mean, they're showing you the process because. As I got sick with mold and fungus, and I know it's not off topic because for in the beginning, when you're talking about when they do the cerebral salvage, they save the brain, but not the body, right? And the soul. And they put it into this cyborg. They actually have to do it organically. If you remember in the beginning, you saw like it looked like little fingers that went out and kind of joined the brain with the machine itself. That's called mycelium. I mean, that's how down and dirty I got with this movie. It's mycelium. Mycelium is the network that um, trees use. It's a fungi. You can eat it. It's good for you. Believe it or not, ants eat it. I mean, everybody, every, everybody, when everybody, I don't eat it. Sorry. You know, um, all of your animals eat it. It's good for you. It's very high in nutrients. But it's the network for the trees to talk to each other because this mycelium actually goes through the earth by via the ant and is left and the frequency in the tree picks up the mycelium and then they grow together. It's almost like a marriage kind of sort of, but you know, as presented with ghosts in the shell, and I know that you were talking about the animes, which I have not seen. Um, I'm not really an anime fan to be honest with you, but just the idea of this is going to be our future. I mean, people are already hacking themselves, you know, volunteering to get 
eyes like Batu got, you know, but you can't see it. It's actually an eyeball, you know what I mean? Where you could see x-ray and all this other kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's science yeah. fiction turning into a yeah. reality. Well, 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 to cut you off, the more real thing is, have you heard of Neuralink? Yes, of course. Of yeah, course. So, yeah, they so, just didn't, did they just put it in somebody, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Neuralink is going out the first human subject. So if you you have uh, you basically have to be a complete quadriplegic. So ALS or um, yeah, a ALS or a, a severe spinal cord injury. That's the uh, group of people who are going through at first because uh, with the the other ones where you're basically putting um, nodes or neurodes, whatever the hell. They're called um, <laughs> electrodes. That, that's that's mm -hmm. it. You're, you're yes, putting yes. electrodes into the brain. And the electrodes, if it was deep brain stimulation, were absolutely gigantic and they would ca cause a lot of damage. The ones with Neuralink are like thinner than a human hair and you have a robot place them in. So it's going to cause a lot less damage, rupture a lot less um, veins around the brain than the, the but other me methods. I have but, a question. Yeah. Okay. So Neuralink, you know, I, I imagined it to be a tiny box with, like, leads off of it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, that's exactly but, what it is. Okay. So if you think about it, right, anytime you have surgery, and uh, this is another subject for another day if you want. I've had 75 of them and I'm still alive. Okay. Um, scar tissue forms. No matter what, it's a protection thing that our body does. When you think about the brain... Where does it sit? It sits inside your skull. It takes a lot to to go into your skull. Then you have liquid that the brain sits in, right? And your blood, right? Central nervous system sits right in the back by your neck, the beginning of it. You're, you have your sympathetic nervous system and you have your parasympathetic nervous system. You have all these things going on and you're actually putting something in the brain. Personally, in the long run, this is going to do more brain damage than it is going to be good. You know, and I appreciate Elon Musk for using quadriplegics because it's a way of speaking like Stephen Hawkins or a way of walking or, you know, yes, it's a good thing. But to uh, just going to be honest, to experiment on those people and not regular people as well. I don't know that doesn't make any sense to me because a lot of people are going to want this neural link. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Not uh, yeah. No, there, there are inevitably going to be a lot of issues with the first generation of this. So, um, they're going to try and iron out as many kinks in the first round of human subjects. And then as they do that, they're going to roll it out to more people and they'll inevitably find out more problems, especially if you're doing it in someone who's, um, healthy. Uh, someone who has motor function, someone whose brain actually works, uh, and then you do this the first time that's going to happen. There's going to be all these issues that arise. You're going to have to try and fix it. Uh, so there's a lot of issues. Of course, now there's also this possible benefit. But with Elon Musk, his goals are Neuralink and SpaceX. He wants to create this brain-computer interface so there can be the symbiotic relationship between artificial intelligence and uh, humans and then use that relationship between AIs and humans to engage in interstellar colonization. I, I talked about it, um, I think it was um, last Tuesday's episode of this podcast. Um, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like Tuesday. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday's um, episode. Uh, so I believe that was 47 of of this podcast. That that's where I went into um, Neuralink when it was you know pretty a bit more recent that the, this news has come out that Neuralink was on uh, human subjects. But finally, you know, we were talking about Ghosts in the Shell um, in this um, and, and talking about this. My you know book, Machine to Man, is about a um, artificial intelligence and android that turns himself into a human being so i do think this you know whole you know plays onto the idea of like what it takes to be human uh can you really be human if you uh have this you know melding with um machines right so you're going to get to the point where we are pursuing transhumanism where people want that end goal of basically putting their brain in a robot's body and then just being able to upload themselves to whatever body they feel like having that day. Are you really even right. human at that point? Uh, a lot of people would say I no. I can't wait to read your I, I can't wait to read your book. A lot of people say no. So yeah. Is, is that what you Oh, well, a lot Is of people. Yeah, a lot of people are going to say no. Some people might say it, it doesn't matter. But the the whole thing is that you know, if I you know when I I wrote this book, uh, Machine Demand, I I first of all it was just this interesting story that popped out to me. Uh, because I you're not an anime person, but I I, I am. I, I do like anime, and I was watching this one anime, Darling in, in the Franks, and it kind of plays on this um idea of science fiction and what it means to be human because it's about. I, I forget exactly, but basically there's this, you know, these mechs, and in order to make, um, the use the mechs, it has to be um, two people navig flying them, and you have the pistol and the stamen, and it has to be a male and a female, uh, but the issue um, was with that when um, this was first happening, um, all the people were basically sterilizing themselves in exchange for um, immortality. Uh, and that, that was, ah, yeah. Okay. Isn't that what's going on right now? Uh, I, so in a, in a way, well, really, yeah. I mean, people aren't immortal, but people are just basically, um, sterilizing themselves and shirking themselves from familial responsibilities in pursuit of comfort. Yes. Uh, so it, it's yep. a lot of, um, a lot of like, well, I don't want to want to have kids or want to have a family because I don't want to have a partner and have to compromise with them or, or do any of these sorts of things. And, you know, I, I'm in uh, of a, I can understand that perspective, but, uh, you know, I, I have family. I, I take care of them. I, I've, you know, talked about it personally, but, you know, I, I do do caretaking for my grandfather. And that's been a, a very heavy toll on me. And one, one of the things, you know, I'm not like going to say like, what was me? I'm a, I have a pretty decent life and it's only going to get better. And I'm, I'm very fortunate in uh, my life in that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy. I've got my whole life ahead of me. And uh, I, I definitely, you know, could see myself having a family one day, but at this season of my life, I just want to be doing things on my own. So I understand that, but it also, you know, comes with a thing where you've got people who want to be by themselves and they also want to just waste their lives away on um, momentary pleasure. But you know this this whole you know idea of um, being human is what interests me, and that's why I wrote the book because that idea was in my my head, and I was running through all these story ideas, and then I eventually came up with Machine the Man, and the first draft I, I sort of I got thirteen thousand words into that, and then I threw it away, and then I <laughs> I I went on to the second draft, and then that was like. 
I don't know, a good, I don't know, three and a half years between starting that and actually finishing it. Maybe two, two and a half. Something, something nice. like that. Something like that. But it was very on and off. So it was like the last, I don't know, six months um, or so is when it really all came together. Because this first part was really hard to read. And you said that you... um. Um, the, uh, if you ordered a copy, I'm very appreciative. Um, but it, it was a, a book that I really, um, put my heart and soul into it because it was a story that I thought was like really interesting. And I do want to want a prequel to it that, um, is even more, I would say, relevant to this idea of Neuralink because that's, that's what interests me. And I think that's really what this, um, that's what's really going to usher us into the next era of technology is Neuralink, um, or whatever. I agree. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Uh, do I like it? No. Will I ever get anything like that? No. If you remember the one part in Ghost in the Shell where they're standing in the room and they're talking about Kuze, you know, the one who was killing all of the Hanko robotic scientists. And the, I guess he's the general, right? The The older Japanese guy. And then there was a younger Japanese inspector. And then there was a... Um, a girl from England and a man, a man from England, a you know, woman, a man from England. And they were standing in the room and he goes, what'd you have done? And the guy lifts up his shirt and he goes, I just got a cybermech liver so I can drink all night and I don't even have to worry about it. And I can get up the next morning. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Part, oh yeah. I but, remember that scene. I, I just watched yeah. the movie. So I remember that scene. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, that's, that's what, um, it, it, yeah, sorry. Biohacking. Yeah. Biohacking, and and that's basically what Neuralink is. For me, is is biohacking. Because as you, the book you wrote is opposite of what society is going into. And I think that is so fantastic. Like I said, I can't wait to read it. I'm so very excited. Um, because you actually are trying to say, hey, we have a human soul. And if you turn a machine, a person into machine, let's just say, right? And you try to turn it back around, will it really work? See, I didn't read your book yet, so I don't know. So don't yeah. tell me your answer yeah. because I, I, I don't want to know. Yeah, no, I won't tell you. But the, the whole thing is that you'll, you'll read the book and it's a bit... It's a bit different, but the synopsis is is a machine, someone something that was always a machine becoming okay. human. And it's that journey. And, and I guess you'll ask yourself... Can, is this main character really human? Is there a point at which he becomes human? And what makes him human? And, and that's the more interesting question. And the thing is, is that I can really only put these ideas into your head and talk about them and make you think about them. What it means to be human. Can you only be human? Can you, is your humanity this intrinsic thing? Um, because you, Oh, man, I, you know, yeah. being, sorry to jump in again. And I told you I wasn't going to do this, and I didn't, and I apologize. Um, but I have to. Philosophy. Humanism. You know what I mean? Like, the the thoughts that are created. Like, you know, you do read the Bible. You said you do, I think, somewhat believe in it. For me, it's my book now in my life. You know, every day I read it, you know, and I do believe it, every word of it. But again, I can't, you know, you can't bring religion into something that is transhumanism. So having a soul, being a human is a spectacular feat. It's, it's very fragile. It's beautiful. It's wonderful that we have a soul and our exchange and, you know, as human beings, 
right? We don't call ourselves human cyborgs. We are now human beings. And the idea is almost like, and I, and again, I'm just going to say it. It's almost like porn. People get addicted to this stuff because they think that it's the right, not right thing to do, but yeah, if it helps quadriplegics, yes. If it helps people with brain injuries, sure. But limited is what I'm trying to say. I live with three replacements and I get, I have, I have a connective tissue disorder. I'm part cyborg, if you want to call it, but they're dead. You know, it's not like I sit here and I have to press a button and my leg moves. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's disheartening because it's rejected constantly or I break them constantly. I've already had two rounds. So being part metal is not actually fun. It hurts oh, yeah. every day of my life. Yeah, and no. it has and it has mutated me honestly it just naturally you know parts of my body don't move like they did before you know what i mean because i've had i had six hip dislocations before i got my second hip replacement so imagine like you know stretch armstrong i don't know if you remember that doll you could just pull it forever and that's what they do to you they put you under anesthesia and then they stretch you and then boom put you back in you wake up you're in pain now, if I was part machine, and that my legs were metal, and they did that to me, would I feel pain? Would I still have that that agony in my soul of why did they make me wait so long that I had to get replacements? Because if they didn't wait so long, I would be teaching right now and doing my thing. But nope. Yeah. Because there's a law stating that if you are in a car accident a horrific car accident you need to wait two years for us the state to deem you disabled yeah no this is you know um one of the things i i really dislike about the government is all this red tape and rules that they do try and you know right. save people from themselves and protect people and i i recently got into a car accident it was a very minor fender bender my car got totaled because i, I had a quite of a crap box of a car but i just had a, a tender neck for uh, a couple of weeks uh it didn't knock me off of my lifting schedule so i'm very fortunate for that i'm in great health and i plan on um staying in great health for as long as i possibly can and when i hear you know stories you know like you with all your health problems which you know i, I hope you work through them best as you can and you know people who can't walk i mean my grandfather's completely bedbound like he, he can't even stay on he doesn't have the core strength to stay on on his side while i, I wipe his ass um to, to, to keep him clean like he, he's lost that um basic strength and that, that's what drove me to you know get myself where i could plank for 10 minutes is because i saw like, exactly yeah. and you know what i have to i just have to jump in and say i commend you i commend you for this you should be very very proud because as i said i take care of two my parents with dementia and you know my sister with all her issues and as far as my health goes you know, as you are now getting into, you know, lifting and everything like that, as you said, is the best thing in the world that anybody can do. Because let me tell you something, your muscle never forgets. I go to PT, right? I go to physical therapy because I have to, I, you know, going to a regular gym, I hurt myself. You know, that's just the way it is because I, you know, I want to load everything and, you know, I want to be like I used to be like you. I, I was, a, I was almost a professional bodybuilder, to be honest with you. And, you know, it's great. And it's, I still do it. You know, it's funny because 
everybody that has knee replacements or hip replacements, they give up on life and they say, oh, crap, I can't do anything. No, you can. I mean, sorry, you can. I'm, I was doing dy- dynamic movement this morning. I was doing clean jerks. I haven't done clean yeah. and jerk in, in years. I yeah. mean, we're talking over 30 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, felt, yeah that's great. Like, so great. You, if you can do a uh, if you can swim, um, that'll be easier on yes. your, yeah, that's always great. Cause that, that's really easier on your, on your joints. Especially. Spin. Yeah. Spin. I use the bike, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. Wa- walking, you know, I know it's not something up off the ground, but yes, it's, it's called up off the ground. Exercise. Rowing. Rowing is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's you only have one body, so you want to take care of it best if you can. And that's another <laughs> thing that that's fallen out of um culturally is that people yes. are are so disconnected from that. I mean, you you've got people and I I'm 6'1, I'm around 208 pounds, and that's that's a pretty good nice. Yeah, it's a pretty yes. pretty good um, you know, weight for me. Um, but you've got women who are like half a foot shorter than me. They've got 100 pounds on me and they insist that um it's okay. Uh, because, and part of it is, you know, you, you go that, 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 you know, class of women, they're on TikTok, they're on Instagram with all these other, you know, fat acceptance, be fat positive. You can't associate health with size, yada, yada sort of things. And then you run into all these health issues. And especially, um, as these, you know, these fat activists, I'm 25, they're, they're around my age as they get into their thirties and their forties, they're going to start dropping like flies because of how bad it is. You have all this excess uh, fat on your body. And this is why um, stuff like Neuralink, stuff like uploading your brain into a computer or an Android body is going to be so appealing to so many people. Because um, so many people's bodies are going to be completely broken because they never bothered to take care of them. Uh, so this is... Oh, this, agreed. Yeah, so this is why transhumanism is only going to get more and more relevant because we've... Um, really falling out of um, the beauty of the human form, taking care of it, um, destroying it. And I do think that's, you know, an intentionality part of this, you know, destroy what it means to be human, make um, not being human seem like this worthless, um, um, not valuable thing. So you can push Neuralink, push the idea of transhumanism onto the general population. So that that's that's my uh, okay. plus, the plus there. I'm going to th- I'm going to throw this out there. Um it, it's fake. It's superficial. Um I do agree with you. I see your aspect. I I, I totally agree with that opinion, especially for women it's going to be horrible. They're going to be able to change their bodies and you know be something that they're not. And you're right. I mean, I know People have had bariatric surgery to stay thinner, and yet they get heavier. Again, it doesn't work. It's it's something very neurological because, you know, as a child, I was heavy. Then I got into activities. You know, I was started playing soccer in middle school and, and basketball and then into high school and then college a little bit, you know. And it's like sports. Was, I always was surrounded with sports. My sister was always surrounded with music. She got very heavy. I got very fit. And it's something I've always done all my life. I mean, it's something that never has left me, even going through these replacements. And that's why I try to tell people, you know, nowadays with all the issues that are going on and the, the sickness as you're talking about, you know, that has to do with our environment mainly, I think, and our food and exactly what you were saying, what they eat, right? But oh, oh, there yeah. are certain things. 
uh, there are certain things in the food now and in the air. And I know this is a whole nother topic for another day, so I'm not even going to talk about it. But it does get into the body and it does it does actually mutate you. Oh, yeah. You, and you got the. And, um, and it, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. to. And, no, that's OK. But then you got the appeal of, again, interfacing with a computer and doing whatever you want. Where's the soul in that? Because growing up with art history, which we've totally thrown out, okay, another subject for another day. But look at the Romans. You know, uh, I'm Italian. The, the the woman's body, you know, like we were talking about before, about the ghost in the shell and how we both love Scarlett Johansson. Anything that she wears, you know, tight to her body is, yes, you know yes. what I mean? Yeah, so that, she's that... a she's a woman. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's and, not... That's um, you know, that's a it's a more you know natural thing is that you know women's bodies are are inherently more sexually inviting than than the male body, and you know that's okay as long as you have this healthy developed mindset about it. But a lot of you know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, and a lot a lot of men right. and women don't on either side. I mean, you've got women who are younger than me who are injecting their faces with botulism and getting nose oh, lifts and doing oh. all these sorts of things. Um, because they, oh, it they drives me nuts. yeah yeah it drives me nuts as well. Uh, when, you know, so, 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 so many people, um, you know, could just look beautiful if they just, um, you know, ate a healthy diet, drank lots of water, got enough sleep, um, at night. Uh, but that's harder to do with how broken our food supply, um, is with yes. how busy people, um, feel like they are being made to because of all these economic factors going on. So people have to work more people, um, you know, people's money isn't stretching as far as it used to. So this puts people into this, um, you know, you know, corporate hustle mindset where you're working all the time. You don't have any time for yourself. So you can't focus on your health and all sorts of things. So, but I I think we've been going on for about about an hour. We went on so many tangents, but I I think this is a great conversation. I enjoyed having you on. This was a lovely conversation. So hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, Hopefully, uh, you know, I can get, um, you know, other guests on this podcast as well, uh, because I really enjoy this conversation. I really enjoy talking to you. Um, Yes, you as well. And thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, uh, it was great. So, you know, be sure to check out my Substack, Velvet Room Publishing. Uh, I've got Machine Demand. I've got my upcoming book on um, gender ideology, if I can ever get myself to finish writing it. It's a very technical book, and uh, I'm not always uh, in the headspace to, uh, to to write it, but I definitely got to get um, onto it because it's a very relevant thing, and I've got all these things I want to write, and i got to get this project done first. Um, but, yeah, so check out my Substack. Check out Lee's, al- Lee's Alternate uh, Reality. That's her Substack. I'm sure you can find everything else she does through there, and uh, I'm going to sign off now. Uh, if you yes. got anything else, um, else to say, then, um, uh, say it now. Um, but if not, we'll go, uh, into the outro and, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, I just wanted to say thank you very much. I appreciate you and thank you for letting me be a part of your podcast. And the conversation is, like you said, it's, it's awesome because of our age difference and, you know, how many generations between us that we are still able to talk, you know, woman to man, man to woman. And let me tell you something. I really do appreciate you for that. And I thank you. No, this was a great conversation. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it. You certainly enjoyed it. And I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed it as well. But uh, we're signing off now. That's uh, that's the end of that. All right. 
Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack. And be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.